0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got schedules bouncing around again this week. Actually for the best, although I think some of you were happy that what I thought were kind of clunkier episodes dropped earlier in the morning last week. I actually prefer this I know some of you are going to be annoyed to hear, but just having the time to think through topics, prepare ideas, things of that nature. To those that have asked the question of why the podcast jumps around a little bit, I'm assuming that means that you're also more uh, newer, I guess, uh, a bit newer to the listening audience, and that's fine, but just quickly here to kind of go back through time, when I started this podcast, it was right after my first son was born. He just turned five. So uh, it was about about that long ago, unbelievably. I don't think we even had a real feed yet at that point. We didn't have childcare. We had like grandmas that were coming to help out. My wife was on maternity for a little bit. So the show was released all over the map. I don't even think it was five days a week at that point. When we started to settle into a rhythm... Before Kid One went to preschool, we had uh, morning child care help. I think it was 9 or 9.30. So the show came out in the morning Pacific time, sort of by lunchtime, around lunchtime on the East Coast, things of that nature. And then over the years, because the puzzle pieces of my life have moved, the shape— maybe the puzzle has actually just completely changed. Forget the pieces. It's mo- the release time is bounced around accordingly. It's not because I want to do it at a particular time of day. It's just when I can do it. So if you're looking towards the future, and I know many of you are like, I got to get this thing. I need, I need your fix earlier in the morning. That'll probably start happening at some point in the next three months, if I had to guess. We probably go back to that. And I hope at that point, That that's mostly a permanent thing, although who knows with like school breaks and things of that nature. But my youngest is pretty close to starting preschool. There'll be different nap arrangements. Like it's a whole thing, man. You guys like why isn't the show at this time? Like you you guys don't understand. I could get nine pieces to fit together to get it out whenever I get it out. But in the short term here, I like having a little bit of quiet time. ...to gather my thoughts, and that's what we're back to this week. After last week, I was doing the show in like little 10-minute chunks and then cutting them all together. I have no idea if the continuity was decent. Some of you guys probably noticed that the continuity was weird last week, but I think we got the content out, and that ultimately is the most important thing. So, welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. Sorry about that two-and-a-half-minute interlude to get things going here. Uh, this, of course, is a Sports Ethos presentation, sportsethos.com, the website at B K on Twitter. The single best fantasy news feed on planet Earth. Go follow them immediately. You can follow me at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday, so let's dive right on in. I think we're far enough into the season now where you guys know what that is. And if you don't, you'll figure it out along the way. Start with Sunday. Big Sunday card. We actually knock out most of the NBA with just the most recent day. That's kind of fun. San Antonio uh, had themselves a pretty good fight. Or had some fight in them, maybe I ought to say. Almost beat Brooklyn. Ended up losing by a bucket. Uh, With the Spurs and, and a bunch of their players in protocol right now, we're sort of still watching to see if anybody consistently steps up I get the feeling that by the time we know if anybody will consistently step up, guys will be coming back out of protocol. That's, I think, maybe more what you'd rather watch for because I'm guessing Devin Vassell probably got dumped in a number of leagues because of protocol. He was settling into a pretty good role right before he got sick. Lonnie Walker had a nice ball game here, but. You can't trust Lonnie Walker. Bryn Forbes has been taking a bunch of shots with everybody hurt. I don't know that you can necessarily trust him. If you wanted to throw either of those guys in a head-to-head scenario, where you're just like, all right, well, look, um, let's say, hypothetically, the Spurs had a good schedule at some point in the next whatever, fine. Like, if nobody's back by the end of this week, they do have a back-to-back. I think it's Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday, or something like that. So, uh, close to the end of the week, maybe you squeeze in a Lonnie Walker back-to-back. But if guys are back by then, and I said that word too many times in one sentence, then it doesn't matter. So we don't even really need to think about it right now. Brooklyn's a pretty easy team to handicap at the moment. LaMarcus Aldridge dealing with a sore foot, and he's been pretty vocal that he still doesn't feel good after COVID. So, KD, James Harden, Nick Claxton, and then on the road, as they are tonight, Kyrie. Clippers beat the flailing Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they are a mess right now. Trey Young trying to do it all himself. You can see it's beginning to wear on him just a tad. It hasn't dramatically impacted his fantasy numbers yet. He's still number 13 on the year, which is a, a pretty terrific step forward for Trey. Uh, but he needs help, and they need to defend, and they're not doing any of those things. Cam Reddish is hurt again as they've gotten healthier. His ankle's gotten weirder. You don't need to deal with it anyway. He was only a fantasy player when everybody was out. Right now, Bogdan Bogdanovich is startable. Trey Young, obviously. Uh, While Clint Capella is out, you can start Aniko Kongwu. I know he didn't have the greatest ballgame against the Clips, but he'll be pretty good anytime Capella rests. And then John Collins, who we got stories this morning, being frustrated with his role in Atlanta. Of course, everybody's frustrated because they're getting their butts kicked. What are you going to do, man? Like, you going to complain? You going to go try to win a ball game? I don't really like the fact that anytime they're losing, he's complained about his role. But it is what it is. Will they trade him? Who knows? They gave him the extension. His name is popping up in things now. Doesn't change whether or not you can start him on the fantasy side. For the Clippers, we're still really trying to figure out if anybody's going to step up with Paul George down. Last time, say last time, it was the same injury to PG, but remember he was resting his elbow, then he came back, and then they finally decided... It needed more uh, attention. Marcus Morris is startable. He was in foul trouble in this ballgame. Reggie Jackson was the guy we thought might take a step forward on the assists side of the ledger. That hasn't really happened. Eric Bledsoe has gotten more assists, but every once in a while he just disappears and plays eight minutes, so you can't trust that. The guy I'm eyeballing right now is actually Nick Batum again. We've circled all the way back around to Batum, who seems, at least for the moment, to be healthy. How long we it's going to last is anybody's guess. But he had 10 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, a steal block, and a couple of 3-pointers in that game on Sunday. Played 30 minutes. Doesn't need to be a high-usage guy, but with so many pieces in flux and, frankly, the other options on this team, really not very good. Then he has an avenue. I also cannot wait. And, by the way, you can start Evita Zubats in the short term as well. I cannot wait until Isaiah Hartenstein can get himself back into the mix. I don't know what he's going to look like coming back from the ankle thing, but If he plays himself into the mid-20s and minutes again, then you got yourself uh, a pretty neat per-minute guy. Everybody's like, well, who do I stash right now? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Because you might have six guys on the protocol list on your team anyway, or you might only have one. In which case, not a terrible idea. As is, apparently, Jonathan Isaac. Getting to the next ballgame on the list here. Uh, Reports surfaced today that dropped by a local Orlando TV sports guy that Jonathan Isaac is getting close. It was sort of backed up by uh, Orlando Magic Daily. You guys remember we used to have Philip on the show every once in a while, and maybe we ought to again, frankly, with this sort of rumors floating around. So if Isaac is nearby, you probably want to go grab him. In the meantime, Terrence Ross has been on a sick heater lately, so you got to add Terrence... He's getting all kinds of shots up right now. Cole Anthony's a go. Mo Bamba's a go. Franz Wagner's a go. Gary Harris had a big one earlier in the weekend and then slowed in this one. He's still getting the minutes, but I just don't think the usage is going to be there. So he, again, fits a bit more in that head-to-head mold. He'll probably roll, like, top 120-ish kind of value and just compile. And that's useful in head-to-head. If somebody has a four-game weekend, they're going to play in all four games right now. That's kind of rare. <laughs> stupid NBA. I mean, I kind of kid, but do I really? I don't know. You guys know I try to take a positive spin on things. I don't like how many games guys just randomly miss. That That's still relatively annoying. Chumo Kiki filled in for Wendell Carter Jr. He's really uh kind of become a, a massive steals specialist. So if... Uh, Wendell has to miss any additional ball games, you can probably throw O'Kiki into the mix. It's hard to know, though. Mostly because, again, if you you know, if you have to make your moves a day in advance, you're plotting for an Orlando team that doesn't play until Wednesday. Wendell Carter Jr.'s injury didn't sound all that serious. He was a game time decision anyway. Hamstring, sore, you know. So maybe they were just giving him a little extra time off. It was a back-to-back. If he he does play on Wednesday, then he'll have a week off to rest the sore hammy. I just don't know how you make a move on Okiki with this much waiting time. You don't. That's how. Kyle Kuzma's been going crazy lately. You can go ahead and roll with him while he's been this productive. It's going to bend at some point. I mean, we know that it's going to bend because he's Kyle Kuzma. We also know it's going to bend because the Wizards got Rui Hachimura back for this ballgame. He was notably rusty. And Thomas Bryant is expected back probably within the next 7 to 10 days. And we're getting a lot of questions on whether or not you should be stashing Bryant. I think the answer is no. I'm not that excited about him. I don't think he plays his way into the starting job necessarily. I don't know that he's he's better than Daniel Gafford. If he is, does Gafford get completely marginalized? I doubt it. Davis Bertans is still floating around. Is there floor spacing center? They have Greg Monroe on the roster right now. It's just not, it's a cluttered mess. I mean, it was already a little bit of a cluttered mess, and they're adding two more front court players to it. I I don't know how this thing sorts itself out where any of those guys ends up with really good value. Gafford is your best bet because he can do it with field goal percent and blocks. And then Spencer Dinwiddie had a 10-assist ball game, but he continues to be a guy you basically can't start. In category leagues and kcp continues to be the guy who's sort of the king of the streamers right at the top edge of that group that threshold toronto beat new orleans 105 101 freddie van fleet's been on a ridiculous tear lately he is number seven on a per game basis now wow he's past joel Embiid. pretty remarkable story of this ball game though is chris boucher Scotty Barnes played 33 minutes. I know he had a, a little bit of a knee thing. So yeah, maybe he would have gotten four minutes more or something to that effect. But simple fact is, Boucher, because of his ability on offense and now cutting down on mistakes, is earning himself a few extra minutes. We might actually get that 5% that we talked about a few weeks back. Remember when Boucher was a uh, an obvious streamer because Cam Birch was out, Precious Achua was out? They were down, for, Pascal Siakam, I believe, was down for a game or two. In the, I mean, everybody was de- Was down besides Boucher. And so he was playing 30-some-odd minutes. It was like the the hero days of last year. And you knew that was never going to stick. But on this podcast, we said there's a 5% chance, a 1-in-20 chance, that something actually sticks here, that he plays his way into those additional minutes. And it's looking more and more like he might have done it. And I know this wasn't exactly a game you're like, this is why we do it. Well, eight boards, two steals, a block. He can hit the three ball. He was not super involved on the offensive side. Look, we know enough about Chris Boucher. Even if we dial back the per minute production, 20 minutes is generally enough. 24, he's a monster. So you got to keep holding. I don't think many of you guys dropped because we guess, we just kept saying hold on the podcast. Hold! Herb Jones also a hold. We're going to see things level off a little bit for all. Herb steals the blocks in particular. The rebounds, the assists are probably not going to be all that massive with JV back with Brandon Ingram floating around, etc., etc. But if the steals and blocks hold as long as they can, then you kind of have to keep doing likewise. Josh Hart, by the way, expect to back for the next ball game on Tuesday. Hey, reminder, everybody, uh, our buddies over at Manscaped.com informed us that we got to move a few units here the month of January. It's go time, man. It's go time. I know at least a few of you are thinking about presents, a gift from you to you, something you might want to spend perhaps some of your free my bookie winnings on. We always talk about putting $10 over in the Thrive Fantasy bucket. Why not buy something for yourself at Manscaped.com? It's good for you good for us here at the ethos it's good for the folks at manscaped we get to continue our partnership with them they got cool stuff man you got to check it out i had someone hit me up on twitter i already forgot his name apologies saying that the day i did this that big manscaped read last week was the day that his uh 4.0 had shown up so he was all stoked about it that's cool uh that's a cool fi- feeling actually to know that like somebody got one and was genuinely pleased with it and I'm obviously pleased with it, but also they send me samples of stuff. This is your hard-earned cash you're spending on things. At the very least, go get yourself a nail kit. You know, don't be that, don't be that uh, gross whatever with the long nails, or the nails you're biting or picking. or whatever. I, I bit and picked my nails for many years. Now I actually have to clip them. I got to keep them nice and tidy. Manscaped.com promo code HoopBall20 or Ethos20. Either one of those works. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Go check them out, please. Please, we've got to get you guys... Go get something. We've, got, we've been putting all this money in your pocket. Go buy something with it. Denver beat Oklahoma City, and then Will Barton headed uh, into protocols this morning. That might be enough, actually, to make Monte Morris playable. I know Facundo Campazzo's still kicking around, and Aaron Gordon is still kicking around, and Austin Rivers actually had a pretty big game off the bench kind of won this game for Denver. But we've seen it before. Monte Morris hates being a part of the offense. Absolutely hates it. Kind of a joke, but also a little bit true that the starting point guard on this team had a usage rate of 10. That's low. Five shots in 26 minutes. But if you take Barton's 14 and you start to split those up a little bit, you almost have no choice but to give some of them to Morris, to get him up to that 8, nine, ten shots, whatever it needs to be, you guys know me, I love it when guys get to a dozen. That's a big deal. I think, I think, and we might see it after one game. This is, a, a, again, another situation where if you wanted to, you could just watch, see what the Nuggets do when Will Barton... You know, the first Will Barton is absent game. Monty Morris is 50% rostered in fantasy leagues, despite being number 151 in nine category leagues. I fully cannot understand that. And it isn't mostly within the last day or something like that. His rostership hasn't changed. He just was rostered already. I'm really surprised by that because the number of good games he's had, people are wasting Monty Morris games cap games. Anyway, if you're in a league where he's not rostered, this might finally put him inside the top 100 for a week. Josh Giddy's getting closer. He's getting closer. Um, you're still going to see all those weird, uh, all those young player things. But, you know, over the last month, 132, 12 points, nine boards, seven assists. That's pretty good, but really bad percentages, and that's hard to overcome, especially when you don't typically shoot the outside ball. He had three threes in this game, but that's been uh, not really his forte up to this point. He's had a good couple of weeks, though, because of the three-ball, because he's shot 47% over the last two weeks instead of 37%. So if you've been squatting on him this whole time, congratulations. He's getting close. If you haven't been, and he's another guy who's way over-rostered, 81% rostered, number 165 on the year. How long is too long to squat on a dude? This is too long. At least in head-to-head, you get that sort of active rolling number, but like, you just sit on this guy the whole year in Roto? That's a dead roster spot for two and a half months now. But he's closer. Make no mistake. He is absolutely closer now than he was a month ago. He's, uh, a, I mean, he's startable right now. Whatever the case, guys have been kind of in and out of the lineup for the Thunder. Lou Dort came back. What is that going to do to Giddy? What is that going to do to SGA, et cetera, et cetera? But he's, he's been good enough the last one to two weeks. Will it hold? I don't know. I think it's still going to be kind of a wave, but that, you know, trending towards good. Minnesota clobbered Houston, put up a buck 41 on him. Oh, boy. No Pat Beverly, should be back soon, and at that point you just start the starters. Minnesota's pretty easy. With Houston, gross, man. Christian Wood is startable, and Jalen Green had a bad ball game here, but I think he's also the other startable guy. He's starting to kind of turn a corner. I don't even know if you want to start Jalen Green in roto league, but head to head, he's also a guy like Giddy. Very different stat set, but much like Josh Giddy, kind of trending in that right direction. We've seen almost no positive trend lines for Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, just you know, points leagues only, effectively. There, that's your that's sort of like the kind way to put it, isn't it? Dallas playing really good basketball right now. Luka's back. He triple double. Didn't shoot the ball well, but, you know, whatever. 22-14-14, that's all right. Jalen Brunson was uh, solid in this one. He had 8 out of 10 shots, and that got him up and over the hump. But, you know, with Luca back, we've seen the usage drop off pretty sharply for Jalen, and I, I really do maintain that it's a matter of time. Provided Luka stays healthy, which to this point in the season has not been a given, but provided Luka stays healthy, Brunson probably falls back outside the top one hundred. DFS is going to hang around near the top 100. Maxi Kleba, terrific stream while Porzingis is out, but I think the expectation is that KP should be back in the next probably two-ish ball games, and then that one kind of runs its course. And the fun news of the weekend: Clay Thompson made his long-awaited return, two and a half years after he played his last basketball game. Am I getting that right? I think so. Wow. Played 20 minutes, took 18 (laughs) shots. It Won't be like that every game. Don't worry. They'll still let other guys actually take shots every once in a while. But uh, this was a a pretty exciting night to have Clay back. If you've been sitting on him this whole time, I would have said don't start him his first couple games back after that long. But then if someone was like, by the way, he's going to take a shot every minute he's on the floor, I might have said, you know what, go ahead. I think it probably scales back. But he'll be startable within the week. At the very least, Andrew Wiggins is in a little bit of trouble. He's going to have to give up a ton of his usage in that first unit unless the Warriors start to play a little bit faster. This will put a little bit of a dent into everyone. It'll put a little dent into Steph. Not much. I mean, he's Steph still, but it'll put a dent into Wiggins. It'll probably knock Jordan Poole off the fantasy radar. Gary Payton Jr. probably gets knocked off the fantasy radar. Draymond Green started and then left immediately. He was dealing with some soreness, but he wanted to be in the starting lineup with Clay, so this was more of a ceremonial start. So yeah, look out. A lot of Warriors are about to lose whatever value they might have had. On the Cleveland side, I I almost can't figure out what the hell happened in this ballgame. Warriors took 22 more shots than the Cavs did, and the Cavs got eight extra free throws. Yes, that's a thing, but the Warriors out-rebounded by a dozen For fewer turnovers, just mistakes. Darius Garland hurt his back late in this ballgame. He's expected to play, however, against Sacramento, so I'm not going to worry about it unless something tells me I have to. Larry Markkinen has been sort of hanging right near the edge of startable. Jared Allen had a tough time with the Warriors. A lot of these guys are going to bounce back. The story on the Cavs side, I think, is that Rajon Rondo has dropped himself right into the Ricky Rubio job. They're not that different. Neither one can shoot. Rubio is uh, better at this stage of his career versus Rondo, but they're going to do somewhat similar things on a basketball court. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you kind of need to take, I don't say take a shot, but you kind of need to keep an eye on Rondo. I didn't think he was going to get more than 15, 20 minutes, but they might actually dump him out there for mid-20s. You've seen it before, the combination of steals and assists could actually be enough. I picked him up in a few spots. Mo- I mean, mostly because I had like Tyus Jones streams I could dispose of since John Morant sat out one half of that back-to-back. I started Jones on one day and then pulled him for the next one. You're not dropping anyone with legitimate value to pick up Rajon Rondo, but if you have someone who's fully gone from value, that's when you could potentially consider it. Portland blew out the Kings. I mean, this is a bad loss for Sacramento. Portland is currently without Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. I'm actually forgetting somebody, and I don't know why. It's my my brain is just farting on it. Uh, but they're down four important players. Uh, and so I mean, the fact that the Kings weren't even involved in the game is is just atrocious. I don't know what Sacramento is going to do. Fantasy wise, if you drafted De'Aaron Fox, it means you weren't listening to me, so deal with it. He's your problem. Now, Tyrese Halliburton is a start. No, he was actually the number three player over the last month, so that's fine. Harrison Barnes was a little better in this one. Hopefully, he gets back up and over the line. He's kind of been outside the start line as well lately. Alex Len got the start with Damian Jones now in protocols as well. Rashawn Holmes, the hope is that he'll be back. Uh, within the next probably two to three days or certainly the next five. And that'll help markedly. But I don't, I don't know if this thing can be fixed. It's just too many years of bad coaching. Everybody's got the wrong habits. Alvin Gentry's out there scratching his head like, what am I going to do with these guys? Anyway, on the Portland side, just keep streaming Anthony Simons and Rob Covington until someone tells you to stop. I think we'll see CJ McCollum in the next two weeks. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like he's getting closer. I don't think the Blazers want to throw in the towel on this year. We got news. Remember, I dropped a Damian Lillard episode over the weekend, and then we found out that his four-game rest was actually being extended until the 25th of January. He's going to miss their whole long road trip coming up. And if you're a fan of seeing Damian Lillard, what you want over that stretch is for the Blazers to stay locked in with the other teams fighting for that 10 seed, which right now you could argue Spurs, Blazers, Kings, Pelicans, and Thunder are all actually fighting for that spot. There is basically no competition for the top nine, but a bunch of really bad teams are duking it out for the last play-in spot because anything can happen. And if you're the Blazers, you love the idea that anything can happen because you get that 10 seed and you have Dame and CJ and Nurk and Nance, and, oh, it's Norman Powell's the other one I was forgetting, all back in the mix. You could easily go and win two games on the road to get into the playoffs. It's not insane at all. I mean, look at look at what could happen there. Uh, if the playoffs started now, the Blazers would play the Spurs in San Antonio. I think, am I getting that right? Yeah, the, the uh, 7 and 8, sorry, the Blazers would actually be out of it. They're tied with the Spurs. Who's winning the conference record? Is that what that goes to on the tie there, or do they have to play one another? I don't know. I haven't looked that far ahead. Well, let's say that uh, the Blazers move ahead of the Spurs. They would play the Clippers on the road, and who knows, will be playing for the Clippers at that point. And if they win that ball game, they win. They'd play the winner of Lakers T Wolves, which you know, I'm sure they're hoping the Lakers pass someone like the Nuggets between now and then. But you think the Blazers could beat? The, the sort of floundering Clippers, and then a Nuggets team with who knows who, or a Wolves team if they're the one that gets through. So that's why I don't think they're giving up yet. But if the Lakers go out on this road trip and lose all seven of them without Dame and probably without CJ, and then they're like four or five games out, say the Spurs go on a little miniature winning run, then you start to worry. Okay, well, what are we doing here? Is there a point even? What if Dame isn't healthy? Do we even have a chance? What if this is Dame's last year with the Blazers? Do we try to bring him back for nostalgia? There's a lot of stuff swirling on the Damian Lillard front. I personally think he does play again this season. I don't know how much, but I think it'll be some. I think the same story with CJ. I think we see them at some point. It was CJ we see here in January. I think he's playing this month. Dame, I don't know about January, but I think we'll see him again this year. And then Larry Nance is another one who's getting dropped a lot, by the way, because of the protocol stuff. But remember, he was a top 75 guy as a starter. So if he's floating around on your waiver wire and you can afford to wait one week for a top 75 potential rest of season guy, I think you do it. Memphis beat the Lakers. I mean, they hit everything. I watched this ballgame pretty much start to finish. The Grizzlies did not miss a shot for the first three quarters of the game. Some of it was bad defense. Some of it was just really good shot making. JJJ was excellent. Desmond Bain was excellent again. Slow-mo had his best game of the season here, which, of course, pushed Brandon Clark a bit to the wayside. I'm holding on to Clark a little bit longer. When he gets 20 minutes, he's fantasy startable. He's a top 90 guy in 20 minutes. This one... 16 minutes. He actually put up a top 90 line in 16 minutes of this ball game. But, you know, thinking back to the previous one, the the day before when he played whatever it was, like 27, 28 minutes, and he was a monster. I don't think I can drop a guy like that. And D'Anthony Melton is kind of the same story. To be fair, he was quite bad in this game. We, you don't see that many games where Melton is just sort of flat out bad on the court, but he was bad here. So the lower minutes actually do make sense. But with Dylan Brooks now out three to five weeks, You have to have D'Anthony Melton on your team. He played a ton of minutes early this year when Brooks was out. He was a top 65 guy. There's just this crazy upside built into a few of the Grizzlies bench dudes. And at the same time, I'm less excited about SloMo, who, yeah, he's starting. But we've seen this before, where if he doesn't get the full 30 minutes as a starter, it's not going to be enough. He's not generally a high usage guy. He's a little bit across the board, so he's got to be out there to get that stuff. He can't pile it up the way Melton can in in low minutes or Clark can in low minutes. It's just not his game. On the Lakers side, no, I'm not worried about Malik Monk. He just had an off-shooting game. He'll have a few of those because the dude was hotter than hell coming in. Blocked three shots somehow. I don't know what that was all about. And uh, then everybody else was pretty terrible aside from Braun. Lakers are as we all interested in what they look like when Anthony Davis comes back they've been actually kind of okay the last 7 8 ball games for LA they're going to have to prove that they can win on the road but you can bet your butt that they're going to be that team like between 5 and 7 in the western conference playoffs that no one wants anything to do with kind of like last year dodge LA no one wants to deal with Braun in the playoffs. No one's going to want to deal with Anthony Davis when he comes back. Yeah, they're a mess these days, but they are starting to look a little bit better. Make no mistake. Hey, go take $10 and open up an account at thrivefantasy.com. For goodness sake, please, Lord, do it. Oh, please, check them out. You're going to have such a blast over there. Prop up at thrivefantasy.com using promo code ETHOS. You get a 100% deposit match bonus. And two $20 contest entry tickets. I tell you every single show, and I hope, to the good Lord, at least a few of you guys have checked this thing out. I'd love to hear from you, by the way. I know a couple of you have done it and have hit me up about it, saying, this has been fun. I've won a few bucks. I've followed your DFS guys here at Sports Ethos. They've been able to guide me in the right direction. And the beauty part is you don't need to know about the really fringy dude, like way beyond even the guys you'd think about putting on a full-season fantasy card. You need to know the superstars. What's KD going to do? I actually should probably talk about a game that's happening tonight if I could remember who the hell was playing tonight. Actually, KD's playing tonight. See, we got that one right. What are the superstars going to do? Props, overs, unders. You get points based on whether or not your prop predictions hit. You choose 10 out of 20. If You gather the most points, basically by hitting most of your props, You win money. Thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Many of you always ask, hey, is there an app for it? Yeah, they've got an app, Thrive Fantasy. Search for it. You can download. The app is free. You can check it out for free. Look around. Poke around. Nose around the site. Use promo code Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, to get that 100% deposit match bonus. That'll tell them who sent you. You also get those free contest vouchers. Don't open it up without the promo code. You'll miss out on some of that good stuff. That's ThriveFantasy.com, one of our partners here at Sports Ethos, at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Quickly, turning back the clock to Saturday. Handful of teams we didn't talk about yet. Memphis we talked about, Clippers we talked about, so that's an easy one. Milwaukee, still without Drew Holiday. He's out of protocols, but he's dealing with soreness in his foot, I believe. Uh, just, you know, camp out on that one. He'll be back soon enough. Worry not, friends. Worry not. He'll be all right. Charlotte just lost Kelly Oubre to protocols. He had been warming up. As we talked about, he's a guy you start when he's on one of his heaters. Well, so long for the heater. Uh, Cody Martin probably slides in to play 25 to 30 minutes with Oubre out and might actually be worth a look. He was pretty good the last time he was getting that level of minutes. But if you're nervous about it, you can watch him play one time, see what happens. Terry Ozier has been excellent after that very slow start. Rosier now up to number 53. He was one of the easiest picks in fantasy this season. He was going at like 85 for some reason. Everybody thought he was just going to fall off a cliff. I don't know where that was coming from. They love his offense. No other notes really on the Charlotte side. Utah. Uh, Rudy Gay now in protocols. He joins Rudy Gobert. If you're a uh, Rudy... You're into protocols on the Utah side. Hassan Whiteside was not very good over the weekend, had foul issues in this one at Indiana. Presumably he'll be better. Um, They play today. They play Wednesday. I think they have a bunch of time off after that one, so that's probably all you get out of the Whiteside fill-in is two more games, and that's fine. That's all you can really expect. Indiana may or may not get players back. We keep hearing that Malcolm Brogdon is close, and then he keeps not playing Lance Stevenson is on a ridiculous run. You've got to sign a nice full season contract, finish out the year back with the Pacers. It's not going to be this beautiful. You, we, we've we all experienced the Lance Stevenson show enough times to know that as soon as the Sixers start to get a little bit healthier again, the silliness ends. And then you're back to those guys. In the meantime, I still don't think I have the stones to play them. Sabonis, Miles Turner... Pretty much the only Pacers I'm playing right now, although Chris Duarte's back, and as his minutes, I would assume, ramp up a little bit, he might get into the mix as well. Might. Talked about Orlando already on the Detroit side. We're hearing Jeremy Grant's name popping up in a ton of trade rumors, and, and the Pistons would be wise to move him because you know they're going to get some kind of decent offer for the dude. Isaiah Stewart got outplayed by Trey Lyles. I think we might be at the point now where we can probably punt on everybody. Not not the whole team, but certainly the big men. If Kelly Olenek could get his butt back, he would be very much worth starting. Anytime Hamadou Diallo doesn't go to the free throw line, he might be worth starting. I mean, everybody on this Pistons team is a bit of a roll of the dice. Even Cade. Cade's exciting. He's fun. He's number 116. He's startable. But even even Cade is a little bit of a roll of the dice. Do you need to start him? Probably, but it's close. Do you need to start Diallo? Not really, but you could. Lyles, I wouldn't do it. Not with him coming off the bench. Even after a nice ball game, I wouldn't do it. Sadiq Bey, we told you, as his usage starts to drop, the fun's going to go with it. Isaiah Stewart, he was just starting to get close before he hit COVID protocols, and it's possible that he's kind of catching his wind. I'm not going to drop him because there's too much upside there if he actually does start to figure things out, but he hasn't to this point. Ooh, the Knicks bad in this one. Yowza. Mitchell Robinson's starting, so you kind of have to keep going with him. Randall, you'd you'd certainly have to. Not that, I mean, he's had a a big-time down year. I had Randall as having a down season, but I didn't even think it was going to be this bad. He's number 88 on a per-game basis. Luckily, he's been pretty durable, again, saving things. Alec Burks is startable. Horrible shooting game, two for 11, but he's out there enough and he's doing enough while, while Kemba Walker's on the shelf to where you can drop him into your lineup. Quickly, Had 18 points, I couldn't potentially, I could not start him in a nine-category league. Can't do it. So it's Burks, it's Randall, it's Mitch Robb, category leagues right now. Quickly, maybe you look at as kind of a schedule streamer type R.J. Barrett, Points League. We've talked about that before. No need to rehash old ground. Celtics, uh, start the starters. Time Lord, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Al Horford. That's it. That's an easy one. Miami doesn't play for a bit yet. Uh, That'll mark a stretch. I think they only had like two games in nine days. And I pray to the good Lord Jimmy Butler's back for that one because we've had so many sequential injuries to Jimmy. It was the tailbone, then it was the tailbone again, then it was the ankle, now it's the ankle again. It's too much, man. You're killing me here. He's going to end up missing all the time that Bam is out. Idiotic. Somehow they blew out the Suns in an exceptionally odd turn of events. Tyler Hero is very much startable while everybody else is hurt. Duncan Robinson is... If you can figure out which day he's going to go for eight three-pointers, you throw him in there. If you can dodge the day where he goes for one, you do. I don't have that kind of skill. Of all of the fill-in guys, Omer Yurtsevin is very much a start until Bam or Deadman comes back. And then uh, the fill-in names that I would throw into the same bucket, Max Struess, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, PJ Tucker. I'd probably starting PJ of that group. His minutes are going to be the most reliable... He's going to slide up and play some center. See, gets get steals. He'll hit three-pointers from the corner. I don't know that any of these guys is a must-stream guy, especially if Jimmy Butler is going to come back for the next ballgame in a couple of days, which, please, come back. Jimmy, I'm, I'm floundering here. I know you always miss a game or two with injuries, but this is, this is getting to be a little bit much. Phoenix got their guys back and a uh, classic letdown mode. DeAndre Aiden was a bit sluggish. Jay Crowder was a bit sluggish, so on and so forth. Cameron Johnson was still fine, although he's now going to take a hit. Even if he still ends up being fine, he's not going to have the same role he had when Booker was out earlier in the year and then Crowder was out for a while. It's just not going to be that way. It can't be that way. It must not be that way. Did anybody skip the weekend? I think we might have hit them all no um philly yeah i don't think we talked about philly which is fine because every time i talk about philadelphia i say the same thing which is this team kind of annoys me on the fantasy side right now with T thibaults starting at small forward and playing a, a ton of minutes so you have to play him if tyrese Maxey comes back what does that do? Does that push Thibault, Corkmas, and Danny Green all into one bucket together, instead of being able to split a couple? Yeah, I'd say that's a possibility. In the meantime, though, Matisse is a go. Corkmas is not necessarily. We've talked about how his fantasy game is somewhat limited. If you had to do it in a head-to-head format, you probably could. You know, if you're streaming for threes, something like that. But really, you know, it's the main cogs. Embiid. Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and then Matisse. And I think that's all 30 teams. I don't write them down as I'm doing it. I just try to remember if something got missed. And I'm pretty sure it didn't. Yeah, we got them all. Yeah. All right, settling back in, everybody. Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday in the books. Shout out to our buddies at mybookie.ag. Use promo code hoopball when you sign up for an account over there. And shout out to our friends at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yep, I gave you the old promo codes at the end of the show. We're going to tell you more about ExpressVPN on tomorrow's program. We've got some new information on things you can do with their amazing service. Until then, hit me up. We're doing some recruiting over here. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, if you want to be a part of the madness or just follow me because of the fantasy. That's also fine, too. Am I forgetting anything? Nope. Terrific. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you guys later.